A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shot stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stock. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share in the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight pointers and the 12 ounces. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12 and 24 pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. Hey everybody, Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. And oh, does it feel good to be back home. I'm sitting in my office here with all the paperwork laying around. The computer screens are up. Swiss Army, our master podcast engineer, is here today. And to his right, my partner in crime with her Libres les Sardines hat. Free the Sardines. Free the Sardines. What's that all about? You know what? I don't know. I was gifted this hat. It's bright yellow. And for my birthday, you had a birthday recently, too. Happy birthday to you. Same to you. Bill and I have birthdays literally, I think, 24 hours apart. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I didn't get a card from her. No. I know. It must be lost in the mail. Keep checking. Nor did I get an invite to the big... uh, fashion show this year now bill we know that is not the truth oh it is the truth no. so i sat at home in front of the tv watching et eating hungry jack salisbury steak tv dinners and moping that you weren't at the fashion show well your good friend ryan not johnson showed up yeah well more He's on a good that supporter. to come yes hmm. anyway free the sardines i'm not quite sure what the hat means um it's in spanish but uh, someone told me I need to look it up. So I got to look up what Liberace de Sardines means. Well, it's awesome. And I'm happy to see you. You have been a traveling fool. Well, so have you. We've, we're always ships in the night until we come back to our host chat. And then we catch up on, on life. We've had a lot of laughs before we started this podcast about a few things already. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, And there is truth to your shower blow. But we're going to wait for a little bit. To let people know what that's all about. That's, yes. I am so excited. It's quite the story. Uh, So, horseback, autumn trails, what's that all about? Looks like you're out on a bit of an adventure. Well, yes. I mean, I love horseback riding. I grew up horseback riding. I've mentioned that. I was a barrel racer for a lot of years. So, I currently don't have a horse, and someday I'd love to... Um, get back into it. But I have friends that have horses. And so um, every fall season, we kind of do our annual little trail ride. And Brooke Voss, a good friend of mine, uh, she and her husband, Jared, are are avid outdoors people and big pheasant hunters. And she um, is an interior designer. So Brooke Voss Design, she's very talented. But she has Icelandic horses. And um, Icelandic horses are gated horses. And they, even though they... What does gated mean? Gated means they, um, you know, horses have walk, trot, canter, and gated horses have, um, I guess, a fourth or fifth gait where it they have the ability to move their legs in a pattern where the amount, how do I explain this? The amount of, like, if you're in a trot, the horse is quite bumpy, right? Yep. 
the gated horses have a gate that actually makes the your ride very smooth. Oh, and wow. that's why they were bred that way. So you have the Peruvian Paso, the Missouri Foxtrotter, Tennessee Walking Horse, um, Icelandic Horses. I'm probably forgetting some. Um, but all of those horses over the years were um, bred because of their smooth gait. So when you um, are riding for long periods of time, that they have a very smooth gait. So Icelandic horses are really interesting in the way they moved. It's called a, um, a tolt. So they have trot, but they also have a tolt. And they can move really fast when tolting. So it's almost like they have these little blender legs, how they move their, their legs. And you are not bouncing at all. It's super smooth. So that's why they've grown in popularity. I don't even know you anymore. Like, well, like, you how, do, to, how do you know all this? Well, as a child, I was a little bit of a nerd with the encyclopedia when it came to like dog breeds and horse stuff. And I just love learning about, I don't know, different, different breeds of dogs and horses and all the uniqueness that each of them um, brings to and why. Like why, why were these horses bred all those years ago for what reason? And same with dog breeds. I mean, all of them have such a history of what they were originally bred for, typically for some sort of work or service or companionship. But um, horses are no different. They all had a job, and that's how all these different breeds came about. But the Icelandic horses are a little unique because you don't see many of them around. I still think a lot of them are imported from Iceland. Um, and, in fact, I'm every summer, um, my girlfriends and I like to do an equestrian summer adventure. And a couple summers ago, we went to Wyoming, and we stayed at 10,000 feet and slept in canvas tents and um, froze our tails off because we didn't realize it would be that cold in the summer in the mountains of Wyoming, but it was, um, but so fun. And so now I actually found a place in Iceland that you can do a packing trip where you camp and, um, trail ride, and then you camp at the next destination and you can do, you know, a three night, five night overnight. And their herd, I think is like 90 deep of Icelandic horses and they take people on actually, these tours. Actually, they have U.S. horses. There. Over there. Yes. <laughs> Instead of the Icelandic version. Anyway, so I went on a trail ride with Brooke. Where'd you go? Am I allowed to ask? She lives over, um, out by you, actually. Awesome. She, um, I don't want to give her exact location, but over by the polo fields. Yeah. Do you know where that is? Where they practice all the polo? I do. Okay. So she's over there, and there is a 250-some acres that um, is groomed specifically for trail riding and horses. And I think they do some um, quote unquote fox hunts where they have the hounds and um, the horses and they run all these trails. So we were back in there on a beautiful fall day. So Small world. All my hockey buddies are the guys doing the polo grounds. Oh, really? Yeah. Right Dif over there. Different story for a different time. Good. Leaves down or still on the trees? A lot of leaves are down. A lot of crunching noises from the horse's hooves, which was really cool. But also it was kind of like the slow snowfall of golden leaves back there. Um, pretty cool. So I think we're almost post peak of color around here. As you can look out the window, it's looking a little gray, but it was a beautiful day. Yeah. It's funny. I came home from the woods, the 40 mile an hour winds and leaves swirling every direction and tried to take the tractor out and chop up the leaves in the yard. It was just stupid. It was just a waste of time. I'm sure. Cause then they're just blowing yeah. around and I just got <laughs> mad and Right, and then you're like, do I look like I'm foolish right now? <laughs> I do. I do. The neighbors were probably looking at me. How was your trip to Maine? Uh, Chada, Kona. It was amazing. Or as they say, no, the, what's the word? Wicked. 
It was wicked. wicked. Wicked good. We had just an absolute blast in Maine. Uh, visiting the North Maine woods, three and a half million acres. One of the Whoa. biggest expanses of wilderness I've seen um, ever. And just a few dirt roads here and there. Um, we were in a moose camp owned by Robert Franklin, who's a Maine guide. Um, and the first week of October, the rut shuts down the moose hunting or the state shuts down moose hunting because the rut is at its peak. And they say it's too easy to hunt moose right now. So take a break. Wow. Let them chill out a little bit. So they turn it into their bird camp. So we hung out and chased woodcock and grouse. Um, was so much fun. But, you know, the main woods, keep in mind, where we were, there was one point where we could go 80 miles this direction to hunt wilderness or 80 miles that direction. And it's all this weird gravel the roads there uh so they had warned us and said you better come with 10 ply tires and you're like well let's see what hertz will give us i was gonna say how do you find that at the rental car so we're in our little kia suv which by the way was the absolute biggest vehicle available at presque isle international airport amazing which is that airport is the size of this office it's tiny so anyhow the last day um, photojournalist Aaron Ochtenberg and I want to drive a couple hours down the trails through the woods because there's a spot where Canada ran a rail line and dumped a bunch of locomotives in the North Maine woods and just ditched them. Oh, wow. Did you find those? So, no, because we're looking at our map. We're following a very, you know, spidery trail of roads to go south. And again, it's like... 40 miles on two rut gravel trails through the woods. And all of a sudden the Kia beeps at me Boom! and it's a little tire thing on oh, the dash. No. I know. Where this and is I going. see 36, 32, 35, 34, 33, 32. So we pull over my satellite transmitter. Won't get a signal out. I mean, that's how remote this stuff is. So I had done a little prep, the Boy Scout in me. I had a tire repair kit with plugs. I also had the cans of, you know, fix a flat. Um, so we had a rock, honest to God, about the size of a, you know, like chapstick container stuck in the tire, pulled that out, used a bunch of patches to fill the gap, um, used the can, filled it up. It looked like it was holding pressure, but we couldn't get pressure back up enough to use the tire. Oh, no. So those cans don't work. PSA announcement. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we put the donut on. So here we are limping around way back in the middle of nowhere with this little silly toy tire. But we knew of a ranger house back in the bush. And we crept around and we actually found the warden who, of course, checked the vehicle, checked all our licenses, you know, all that stuff. We were good. We were kosher. Um, and then took us back to his place and he had an air pump. The original patch worked. So we put the original tire back on and limped our way out of the North Main Woods and hit asphalt and went, thank 
goodness. Oh my gosh. So this ranger is how many months out of the year is he spending alone out in this ranger house? Interesting guy. No, he's there year round. Um, interesting guy. I think he said it was from Colorado or Montana. I don't remember which, but had taken duty out there and it is like Northern Minnesota. It's a lot like the boundary waters with gravel trails and a little more topography. Um, but just an amazing trip. Just make sure when you go, you've got 10 ply tires. Yeah. I mean, I don't, how would you even do that with, if you need a rental car? You can't. You can't. There's nothing. You need a Polaris Ranger side by side. Yes. And you know, the logging trucks are going, the bird numbers again, were phenomenal. Moose sign there is like deer sign here in Minnesota. There are moose everywhere. Did you see any? There. Of course, we did not. I know. It's like Murphy's Law because there's a camera around. That's why. And, you know, we went and walked every trail, every bit of woods. We walked for birds, moose sign. You could see the cows. You could see the bulls. Um, You know, the sign was everywhere. It's kind of crazy. So. Isn't that interesting? A fun trip. And then we get back home and here we are. All right. I want to ask you about this curious little moment in your life, which includes something called a shower blow. (laughs) I know people are getting the wrong idea right now. I don't think so. We're going to talk about it next, but first we need to thank the sponsors who help make the Minnesota bound podcast happen every week. First up our good friends at Connecticut. You already know how much my family loves Connecticut water. We have it in our home, and just this summer, added Connecticut water at the cabin. (laughs) What a difference. For as long as I can remember, we've dealt with that darn sour cabin water. You know, that stinky, foul well water. After a really painless four-hour installation, we now have Connecticut soft water and also Connecticut's K5 drinking system. No more bottled water to try and make coffee in the morning. It's great drinking water right out of the K5 tap. Our laundry no longer smells funny, and Connecticut water cleaned up our showers and dishes. The world's most efficient, worry-free water system. Visit Connecticut.com to find a dealer near you and join the Connecticut family. Also, a big shout-out to the Minnesota Propane Association. Did you know that a propane gas Furnace lifespan averages 20 years, while electric heat pumps only last about 14 years. And propane furnaces work in all temperatures while delivering warm and consistent heat in your home. Why buy two heating systems when propane furnace can do it all? Lasts longer, works better, and costs less. These things and more are being done today with propane, the right energy right now. We'd also like to thank our friends at Hewitt Docks. Hewitt Docks, Lifts, and Pontoon Legs began in a small south-central Minnesota town with a mission to make dock install and removal easier by inventing the Rolla Dock. Well, now the company has evolved to provide everything you might need to improve your lake time. In addition to the classic Rolla Dock or the new Ultra Dock system, Hewitt offers all-terrain staircases, gangways, canopies, and lifts, along with any accessory you might need. Celebrate 50 years of business with us. Go to HewittRad.com to enter for a chance to win a free dock and monthly prizes. Hewitt Docks, lifts, and pontoon legs. Work hard, play harder. You deserve a Hewitt. Okay, 
Laura Sharon and I find ourselves in the same room, which is very rare for us with our travel and television production schedules. It is rare. Uh, people are so excited to hear about you and this thing called a shower blow. Well, uh, we should call up your friend, Ryan Johnson. Uh, I was out bass fishing with him the other week and we were doing a little segment on, um, getting started topwater bass fishing. And, um, that's one of the segments that we do on Minnesota bound is we introduce people to all sorts of things you can do, um, in the outdoors. And if you haven't done it before, here's how you get started. Yeah. Uh, obviously, um, Ryan and myself, we've been topwater bass fishing before, uh, but we are going over some of the lures that are available to use for topwater bass fishing and some of his favorites. And there is a lure that, um, from my understanding, what Ryan had said is made in Japan, but the translation from, um, Japanese to English, uh, is the lure is called a shower blow. And uh, I've not seen these in retail stores. I don't know if they nope. are sold in retail nope, stores. They are absolutely coveted and darn near impossible to find. That's what I've heard. And um, he he did send me home with a pink lure. You're such a jerk. And so I know you're really Ryan. jealous about that because he, I don't know if he's gifted you any of these before, but um, nope. that is that is what the shower blow is called. Um, it is a lure. Does and it that's work? it. We didn't use it because we, we were using frogs. <laughs> exactly, because they're too precious to even put in the water. I mean, so. that's how ridiculous these things are. Really? I mean, we're supposed to frame them as art? Yeah. It one, is a pretty lure, I'll say that. At one point, Ryan, who, let's clarify who Ryan is. Good friend of mine, good friend of yours, one of the best bass anglers in the state of Minnesota. Yes, he's very good. Uh, knows his spots so well, but he hoarded these shower blows. There was a window where they became available for like a day and he just purchased dozens. Well, he has a whole tackle box full. What a jerk. <laughs> and I have begged him for a shower blow. I don't care what color. <laughs> if it's pink, I'd take it. But guess what? Nope. Brick wall. You show up for a couple hours yeah, and just, I mean, oh, hi, Laura. So smitten. I mean, I was laughing I at this lure and he's like, you know what? You can have that. And I was like, Thank you. Bill's going to be so jelly. Nothing new with that. Um, fishing with Ryan, though, is, you're right, it's a total treat. He was, of course, crushing me with landing bass in the boat. He's very good at um, what he does and also very good at landing bass on top water. I, on the other hand, which I think is a mistake of many or a learning lesson of many, is, and you've mentioned this before because we've talked about it, but like I try to set the hook way too soon. Everyone does. Yes. That is the difference it's, between success and perceived failure, right? Yes. And he gave me the greatest tip is that you have to say, there's one before you set the hook. After it splashes, there's one, and then give it the vinegar. Yes. And I still wasn't giving the vinegar either, so I was dropping the ball in that too because I wasn't setting the, the setting the hook too hard enough. But then... So he was like, I think, seven bass into my zero because I kept missing strikes. He um, said it was closer to 20. But, did he really? But keep going. Ryan, exaggeration. <laughs> um, maybe it was like 10 to zero. I don't know. But who's keeping track at that point? Did uh, you trade fishing rods at one point? We did. So we were using frogs. And he had, uh, I want to try had the green that frog one. and he had the white frog. And I was like, Ryan, I think it might be the white frog. I couldn't. Um, 
handle that I was behind by so many bass. He's like, okay, why don't you try this one? And of course I missed a couple more strikes. But once I got it down, I landed to date for me, um, my personal record for largest bass caught, which I was so excited. It I was an absolute talk. monster. Talk about the moment. Like what happened? You're just casting. I was casting and I said, there's one. And you know, it exploded. I said, there's one. And I set the hook as hard as I could. And, um, what I don't even know how, well, actually I do. I think I know what happened. The drag on it, all of a sudden I had zero drag. Completely loose. It Somehow you had loosened it entirely. You know how I loosened it? I don't. I do. From the fish before that, that I, I had landed a smaller bass before that, my hair, being that it's rather long, um, got stuck in the reel, in the, in the drag. But I kept reeling because I didn't want to lose the bass. The one before the big one. So literally that's what loosened my drag. And I had no idea. It was my hair. And so when the drag was loose, I literally like reeling. I have nothing. It's like I'm reeling air at this point. And I was like, Ryan, the drag, we got to help me. And I'm not, I just kept reeling as fast as I could to make sure the line didn't get slack. And he's coming over and like trying to tighten the drag. And then I, for some, it was a miracle that I landed this thing. It was such a gift. I'll say that because there was a lot of things that went wrong that I could have easily lost it. But, um, but yeah, when did. we got it in the boat, I know it's like, I lost my ability to speak English too. I, I, all of a sudden I was saying things backwards, speaking in tongues. I don't know what happened. I was like, ah, um, and, but yeah, so we, uh, I was so excited and, uh, we took a couple pictures and we put them all back in the water. So they're still swimming. I cannot, he swore me to secrecy though, where we were. So don't even ask. It's okay because I know. I know you know, but he was like, I can't know tell you anybody. know I know. Yes. He has all kinds of secret spots. And that's what's fun about this state, right? Not everything is like Minnetonka. There are still little hidden oases where you can go and just have the best day of fishing in your life. And you had one of those moments. We did. How big? We, uh, it was, we only weighed it. I did not measure it. Um, but I think it was 6.1 pounds. Yeah. Large mouth. Yeah. It was, it was a great moment. That's official. And I'm a sure lifetime. people have caught bigger bass than that. But for me, I was really around excited. here. That is darn near as big as they get. That's Somebody on exciting. Facebook said they caught a seven pounder in mm. Minnesota. People on Facebook say all sorts That's of true. things. I was Laura. like, are you sure Laura, about that? You of all people should know. <laughs> that is true. The internet is a mess. Yes. With the comments. Yeah. Well, but it was a fun day. Congrats. And the best part, it's all on video. It's all on camera. Yes. I'm sure were my ecstatic moments and also my heartbreak when I was missing bass left and right before that. I can only picture what that moment is like is the drag is loose (laughs) fish is there. You're scrimming at each other. Ryan's stressed out because he wants you to catch. So. Yeah, awesome. And he is funny. He has a funny sense of humor, Ryan. So he's fun to. Yeah, he's something else. He's a real treat. How long have you guys known each other? A long time. And I will tell you a funny story about Ryan. First off, he, you know, he played hockey at St. Cloud State, um, was one of the best defensemen in all of college hockey. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, I don't think he'll mind me telling this story, but. He fell out of a tree stand, deer hunting, and that essentially ended his hockey career. 
so he and I have gotten to know each other and we enjoy fishing and, uh, yeah, we still play hockey together and, uh, fish a lot. And, uh, for as much as we do, I still don't own a shower blow. Well, maybe, maybe you not. give him your wish list for the holidays. I don't want he might nope. send one over. I don't care. It's not a Rapala, so I don't care. It's true. Any it questions? True. Well, we'll see. I'll talk to Ryan to see if we can maybe change that so you have one in your tackle box. A wonderful, salty human being. If he was here, I'd hug him right now. He's a real estate agent, too. I feel like we should give him the shout out just in case anybody's looking for, you know. He a is. real estate agent. That's what he he does. He's very he, successful at that. And he is the real number one real estate agent in Minnesota. Doesn't need a billboard to say that. Awesome. So anyhow, there you go. Uh, let's take a break. And uh, then I want to get back to a special can't miss destination. For people here in I don't even know what that is. What's pretty exciting and it's coming up. Bill Shirk here, along with my co-host and partner in crime, Laura Shera. You are listening to the Minnesota Bound Podcast, the stories behind the stories. Minnesota History Center presenting Sherlock Holmes the Exhibition. Opening October 20th. Try investigative techniques and explore the history of the world's most infamous detective. More at mnhs.org. It's time to plan your fall hunt in North Dakota. Get this, with an estimated 3.4 million breeding ducks, North Dakota's central region is prime habitat for hunting waterfowl. In fact, right now, the state's breeding duck index sits 38% above the long-term average. And the water's up, too. The spring water index is up 616% over 2021. That's a good thing. Now, when you consider that North Dakota has approximately 700,000 acres of private land open to public walk-in hunting, guess what? You've got an outdoor oasis. For the latest information about public hunting lands and private land open to sportsmen and women, visit North Dakota Game and Fish Department. Bag your limit this fall in North Dakota. Visit LegendaryND.com. Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Star Bank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. StarBank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that StarBank has to offer at StarBank.net. Remember FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Bill Shirk and Laura Shera here. We are just waxing a little bit about some of our recent adventures and uh, what's next. Where are you headed to next? Well, a lot of my stories are... Staying here in the state of Minnesota, which is great. I um, am meeting up with a group called Legendary Longtails. Um, they are an all-women's chapter of Pheasants Forever, and they awesome. are doing 
a big event coming up on November 19th, which is a Saturday at Wings North. Anybody's invited if you have experience pheasant hunting or not. Um, men and women are invited and uh, they will be there for the day teaching people how to pheasant hunt. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I'll, we'll be filming that for Minnesota Bound and also doing another story on the Deutsch Langhar dog. Are you familiar with this breed of dog? It is a, um, a German um, versatile hunting dog, and they are a beautiful, um, a beautiful breed. However, they are rather rare here in the U.S. so far. They're gaining popularity. But um, in order to breed these dogs, and I think in order to even own one, you have to go through multiple, a multiple testing um, scrutiny to ensure that the breed stays as pure as it possibly can. And this has been going on for hundreds of years. So they have a big event in South Dakota, which they'll be taking some pictures and things. And they fly in judges from Germany. And uh, we're going to get together with a group of um, Deutsch Langhar hunters here in Minnesota and do a story on the uniqueness of this breed and um, the qualifications you need to have as a um, as a upland bird hunter to even own one, but let alone if you want to get into the breeding of these dogs, it's it's very scrutinized. Or else you will go to doggy jail. Exactly. Other than that, you're going to go in the doghouse. So, <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, so a couple of those stories coming up. And um, for me personally, I'm looking at doing a bird hunting trip in Oregon um, at a, it's an all women's weekend in February. So more to come on that. I haven't fleshed out those details yet, but as Greg Brown kinda... sings down the Willamette, damn it, which is the Willamette Valley, oh. which is where pheasants were first introduced in the United States. Really? I didn't know that. They were released there initially, I think 12 birds and guess what? They stuck. They did. Why were they released originally? Do we know that? Uh, well, here we go. Little bird history. So the Europeans kept bringing them over, and often it was the wives would put a little wood, you know, case on a ship with the husbands because they had these pretty birds they wanted to bring with them. So they actually introduced them in the 13 colonies for years, and they just never stuck. But this judge, and his name escapes me right now, they shipped over to Oregon and released them in the Willamette. And because of the habitat there, they just flourished. Flourished. And literally it was years. It didn't take long for them to spread across the United States. Very yeah. cool. And the old fairs, like in South Dakota, at the uh, state fairs, they had booths set up like informational booths because here were these weird birds popping up and at the fairs they would explain to people what they were all about look at that some pheasant trivia for you today hey i don't That's know horses good. but i do know well, i didn't know i didn't know that so you taught me something new today yeah, I like very that. very interesting so good luck in oregon it's always fascinating when um like I said, the history of why people decided to introduce certain breeds of animals or species to the U.S. or why they even developed them in the first place. Like yeah. it's, I find that really interesting. And pheasants, uh, the way it sounds, people release them for years and years and years and years, and they never took. Really? But finally, they're, pow. 
I'm sure it was a habitat thing, right? Yeah. Good weather and the right habitat, and they had a chance to reproduce, and then boom, boom, boom. Very cool. How about you? What do you have going on this fall? Oh, gosh. Can I just be at home for a couple of days? You've been on the road, for sure. Just back from the winter camping symposium. We set up a fall camp in the woods. Uh, The weather was wonderful. You know, the old joke is it's kind of a niche group, and weirdos wool and wood smoke um so the shirk boys were with me katie had a weekend off nice without us and we set up the tent and uh, put the wood stoves in and just relaxed and looked at a bunch of outdoor gear and played catch with the football and yeah and where does this take place it was good it takes place up sturgeon lake which is about two-thirds of the way up to duluth from the twin cities and was quite a crowd this year. I bet they had a record number of folks attend, and you know, people come from all over the place um, Illinois, it, Nebraska. Wow. All over. And are they, is it kind of a teaching environment too to teach people best Ver- practices for winter camping? Very much so. You know, bushcrafting is kind of cool these oh, sure. days. Yes. You know, knife work, saws, uh, knots, you know, fire starting. Not with Bic lighters, but by other means, more traditional means, all that stuff. And people are just really enjoying that. So Winter Camping Symposium gives people a chance to learn some of those skills. There are classes where they can make snowshoes, your own polk sled, you know, pulling sled for snow. Um, A lot of shelter stuff. You know, the Shirk Boys, it's funny, on Saturday afternoon, they do what they call the tent tour. So you've got a hundred people walking around with cocktails and beers, looking at all these different winter tents and shelters. And it was kind of fun. The Shirk boys got to show off their COVID shelter. Um, You know, the little story, I'm sure everyone's heard it before, but when COVID hit, all the kids were sent home, no school. So the Shirk boys set up our teepee to stay outdoors and our good friend, Dan Cook of Cook custom sewing fame said hey boys i've got a horse trade for you you design the tent i will sew it for you wow. the boy said okay That's we'll teach trade. you then how to fly fish um so anyhow they get this wall tent the sill nylon high-tech wall tent from dan cook which they set up and they stayed during COVID 147 nights out And so a lot of people kind of followed the journey online with the social media and all that. So they all wanted to see this actual shelter. You know, it looks like it's 30 years old, right? Because of what winters and weather and, you know, we set it up the next fall too. So it had a lot more than 147 nights, but yeah, they got to show that off to the crowd a little bit and it was kind of a proud dad moment. Of course. When they were done explaining it, they got a big round of applause. From awesome. So COVID in some way had a positive impact and created new memories for the boys. That's very cool. Yeah, that's um, winter camping is, you know, a, it's a unique experience. And I have to thank you for setting up some, you know, we're just shooting wraps in the middle of winter and it's freezing out. And um, I personally am kind of a freeze baby, I guess, where I can get cold real quick. Um, but you set up the, I think it was your teepee that you had there. Yep with the wood stove and how warm it was just from 
those two things. It was awesome. Two days from now, we will be shooting our early winter Minnesota bound show wraps or introductions. And guess what? I will be setting up the new winter tent with the new stove as a background. So perfect. You'll enjoy that. Snow Trekker tent and four dog, little dog stove. So cool. And you know, you're talking about, uh, master fire starter and if anybody's a master fire starter it is you every i every time you know when we shoot wraps and it's cold out and we build a fire because you know one it looks really pretty on tv two it keeps you warm so we love that but bill is the master at setting up the most picturesque fire and i know you're probably gonna thank your boy scout skills for that but i think there's another skill that comes with it i don't know what it is or some artistic thing that you have going on where I was like, if Bill ever needs and wants to to just do com- something completely different, you could work in Hollywood as the master fire set starter for movies, for like Western movies or whatever, <laughs> because your fires are literally always look perfect. All right. In all seriousness, though, <laughs> uh, we uh, we do have another destination coming up. I'm I'm going out pheasant hunting next week, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. It's a great time of year to be hunting, but then we come back and we are headed to. Split Rock Lighthouse, oh, yes. November 10th. What's happening there? Any idea what the significance of November 10th is? And Brandon, engineer, you are not allowed to type in and find your answer. Either of you know? No. Was there a some sort of that, crash that happened with the ship long ago on November 10th? Yes. The Edmund Fitzgerald went down on oh, November 10th. yes, yes, yes. So every year, Split Rock has a small ceremony right at sunset. And they ring the bell 29 times for each member of the crew that was lost that night. And they, that is the only time of year that they light the beacon at Split Rock oh, Lighthouse. Yeah. So we will be there for the lighting. Oh, that's cool. Um, I think it is probably a very dark and harrowing evening um but a chance to pay homage and realize how incredible lake superior is yeah it sure is very powerful um we are actually going to talk to uh one of the family members of the uh, porter who was lost on the fitzgerald that night so should be a very very interesting story what year was that the Fitzgerald went down? Do we know? I don't remember offhand. It's the 40, what, like the 47th anniversary of that. So okay. I was going to say the 70s. Brandon, 19, you're allowed to look at 1975. It yeah. 75. So, yeah, 40, yeah, 45 years. Yeah. And, you know, in recent history, it's really not that long ago. No, it's not. And you think about a massive ship just disappearing. It just disappeared so they do we know how it it shipwrecked today do you'll have, have to listen to gordon lightfoot I sing guess. a song you know there are all kinds of theories about what ghost? happened Ooh. so yeah kind of an interesting story so uh but it is also one of the busiest days of the year it's split rock lighthouse apparently a lot of people always go up to see the lighting of the beacon so if you have interest in a North Shore trip outside of tourism season. It's a really, really interesting destination. Yeah, history. For so, sure. That's very cool. There you go. Uh, well, 
It sure is good to see you. It's good to see you. Get clothes washed, get suitcases packed back up. Good luck this hunting season. I hope you have some success and you're safe. I appreciate that. Same to you. And I'm going to look up Liberate the Sardines. Yes, and you're going to get yourself a new lure or two in your tackle box. Oh. You should just manifest that for the year 2023. I think you and I have a deal brewing. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Thanks to Laura Scher. I'm Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. We appreciate you listening today to the Minnesota Mound Podcast, the stories behind the stories. You know, I want to thank all the great sponsors who help make this podcast happen every week. Uh, Of course, it is presented by Connecticut Water Treatment Systems. We'd also like to thank the Minnesota Historical Society, the Minnesota Propane Association, Star Bank, Hewitt Docks, and North Dakota Tourism. Until next week, Laura, what do we always say? Don't forget to introduce a kid to the great outdoors. (laughs) 